We are keeping democracy alive. Check for pulse. Stand clear. Push to shock. So yes, there's a huge gap between public opinion and public policy. That people don't feel that they can do very much. You know what this is? This is a very Hamiltonian system. Alexander Hamilton being the guy here in a very un-Jeffersonian. In the case of the Republicans, it's dramatically the opposite. Uh, but even in the case of the Democrats. An absolute typhoon of terror against African Americans in the South. America's fascists are those people who think that Wall Street comes first and the American people come second. We're really seen as a financial sector that's uh, gotten out of hand. The shooting, the violence, that is not the drug problem. That is, in fact, the drug policy problem. I speak tonight for the dig- dig- dignity of man. Yes, the dignity of man, freedom from an intrusive government, freedom from dangers to us. The government is here to both protect us and to guarantee our freedoms. Well, there's a bit of conflict between laws about cannabis, of all things, as noted in a recent New York Times editorial, change is sweeping the country. But federal lawmakers are, quote, standing by when they should be, quote, more actively debating and changing the nation's absurd marijuana policies, unquote. Today, state legislatures are taking the lead in recognizing this need for a change. But often these new saner laws are in direct conflict with federal laws. Today, after decades that have, again from the New York Times, ruined millions of lives and wasted billions of dollars, today there is virtually no disagreement. The drug war is a total failure and has done great harm to millions of Americans. In light of that, more and more states are implementing their own laws regarding cannabis or marijuana. Again, the problem is these state laws conflict with federal laws. So what's legal according to state laws may be illegal according to federal law. This could get messy. The the issue may even bring up the ages-old argument between federal supremacy and states' rights. Very pleased to have with us today an old friend, Representative Rennie Cushing. Rennie, thanks so much for being with us on Keeping Democracy Alive. It's great to be here, Bert. Well, if you don't know Rennie, he is a founder, he is the founder and executive director of Murder Victims Families for Human Rights. His father's murder in 1988 has shaped his work as an advocate for crime to victims and as an opponent of capital punishment. He was an organizer of Clamshell Alliance from 1975 to 1997, executive director of Campaign for Ratepayers' Rights, director, the Employees Legal Project, and a state rep. And you've been a state rep a few times, right, Reddy? Uh, this is my fifth term spread over four decades. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look that old. But Thank you. Anyway, he has done a lot of great things over the years. Uh, his latest being a resolution which passed the NCSL. What is the NCSL? And basically, what is the resolution? We're going to talk a lot about it, but what is the NCSL? And tell us about this resolution. Uh, The National Conference of State Legislatures is an organization composed of all state legislatures in all the states. And in effect, it's kind of like a 
the uh, trade association, yeah. if you will, for, for lawmakers. Um, and the organization takes some policy positions vis-a-vis the, the federal government. Uh, I think it was probably best known for kind of standing up against unfunded mandates that were being handed down by Congress to the states without yeah. any money attached. Um, but oh, it, it's, it's, another... it's tried to advocate for the, the essence of, of federalism. And uh, I serve on the uh, Justice, Law, and um, Public Safety Committee. There are a number of standing committees for this organization. I've been part of it you know, for a number of years. And over the past couple of years, we've been wrestling with a resolution trying to get all of the states together to take a position on cannabis laws. And so uh, last week in Seattle, um, the, the, the states spoke with one voice and said to the federal government that we'd like the federal government should let states determine their own marijuana and hemp policies without federal interference. It's pretty much a, it's an interesting stand down. What was really interesting about it, of course, is that this resolution was passed in Seattle, in Washington, in a state, one of the, the four states right. that's uh, where the recreational use of marijuana by adults is legal. Yeah. And um, I can talk more about that. It's very been, it was very interesting to see what it looks like um, in a post-prohibition uh, mode. Wow. Yeah, interesting. There's certainly a lot to talk about. Bert Cohen here on Keeping Democracy Alive. We're talking about... Uh, uh, the states versus the federal government. Um, so was there much discussion about this, or was there basically unanimity on how Well, how it was unanimity. It, you know, really? For the past wow. couple of years, we, we talked about it. In order to pass, it requires an affirmative vote by three-quarters of the states, and that is both in the committee and in, through the general business meeting. But the reality is that notwithstanding the federal government's policies, um, over half the states have uh, adopted laws uh, that allow for the use of um, cannabis for medical purposes. Again, uh, the four states plus the District of Columbia allow the the sale for recreational uh, adult use. Um, it's also tied to the the prohibition against the use of hemp uh, for right. industrial purposes. So, I think. Um, that some of the discussions that took place over the past couple of years had to do with whether or not it should be limited to medical marijuana or be more inclusive, uh-huh. whether or not hemp should be included. Uh, I think there was a real strong sense um, amongst legislators across the country that Washington is pretty much broken yeah. and it's not going to be able to make to do anything, um, uh, it seems. But what's happening in, in what's known, what are sometimes called the laboratories of democracy right. in the states right. are, um, you know, a departure from the the policies of a, a failed war on marijuana that has been, in, you know, in place for too many years. Um, and the states are moving just as, just as the states uh, took the lead in many ways when we made the transition from uh, the prohibition of alcohol to the legalization and regulation of alcohol, so too that's taking place in the states with cannabis. Yeah, I have to, well, so many different aspects of it. Let's, let's talk about hemp first and then go into the other failed prohibition that actually lasted nowhere near as long as this one. Hemp, farmers all across the country 
are having a tough time as more and more jobs are getting outsourced and uh, you know agribusiness is uh, controlling just about everything. Uh, here in New Hampshire and lots of other states, farmers are having a tough time. I don't know that much about hemp. I know it's related to marijuana. It's a kind of a different plant. But right now, is it the case that under federal law, farmers can't grow hemp that could help save their family farms and their homes? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, hemp is a, you know, it's a product that has a, a number of uses that go back, uh, you know, go back in ancient times for making paper, for making rope. Um, uh, you know, the, the U.S. Constitution, some people say, was is, is written upon hemp and parchment. There was a period in our own colonial history here in New Hampshire where there used to be a bounty paid to um, settlers uh, for growing hemp. Um, and because it is closely related to the to marijuana, uh, absent one thing, you can't get you know, there's no in, in, intoxicating effect from well, I think ingesting it. A substantial headache if you smoke uh, it. You can get a substantial headache, but uh, you know, <laughs> as someone said, uh, you know, banning hemp because you're concerned about marijuana is kind of like banning grape juice because you're concerned about wine, um, and it, you know, th- th- it's such a stark difference. Um, the the reason that it's being that um, that is a cell phone, that folks. That is a cell phone. <laughs> That is my cell phone. Excuse me. The reason that um, is put forth by uh, some for the ban on hemp is that it's very difficult to for you know someone to distinguish between the, the two you know on the naked eye. But um, that's not much of a reason. And increasingly, again, we've seen states take the lead on this. Uh, yeah. Interestingly, Kentucky was one of those states oh, under Mitch McConnell that is an ideal place for growing uh, hemp, an ideal climate, and there are now some exceptions to the complete ban that are allowing some research universities to do that. Uh, you know, for instance, here in New Hampshire, for, uh, you know, a couple of decades now, we've been st- struggling to repeal our own state ban on hemp. Um, a couple of years ago, the, the legislature uh, passed a law that allows for the uh, UNH to engage in an experimental program. Um, unfortunately, this year again, the legislature, or the House passed a bill that, um, you know, would allow, f- make, make hemp, industrial hemp, a legal project, product, but it died in the Senate. Yeah, good old Senate, my old stomping grounds, huh? right. I'll tell you. And it, it died, I think, because of the, you know, the, the marijuana phobia right. um, that, that's there. It's the same reason that the Senate couldn't come in agreement to decriminalize marijuana so that New Hampshire remains one of the few, a, a real outlier. It's one of the few states where uh, it is now a crime to, it is still a crime to, you know, possess, possess, any. possess any amount of marijuana. Um, if you have a, you know, a marijuana leaf in your car or on your you know, tongue, you can be sent to jail uh, for that. Um, And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that New Hampshire is the only one of the New England states that hasn't yet. With the decriminalization, is there a conflict with federal law on decriminalization? I don't think there is, but I... Well, you know, there's there's this whole notion that's called um, commandeering, that the states cannot, the federal government cannot commandeer the states to make a product illegal. Um, under its state laws. So it's really about whether or not under state law the, um, you know, the, the state wants to make 
criminals out of people who possess a small amount of plant matter. Um, and in New Hampshire, we do that. And what's pretty shocking is when we take a look at, for instance, our corrections budget, and we realize mm. that we spend about $35,000 a year to incarcerate someone. And there are people in our state prison, in our jails, who are there because they um, are there because of marijuana. Um, Mere and, possession. Yep. You know, yes, mere possession. Um, I mean, I just came back through, you know, prosecutions going at Hampton Beach with people who come uh, to, you know, are possessing a small amount of marijuana, did not know that it was not decriminalized here in New Hampshire. <laughs> okay. And instead of a parking ticket, which is what it is in most states, akin to, you know, uh, in New Hampshire, it requires, you know, someone's going to get arrested and summonsed and ordered to appear in court. Um, I'll granted that for the most part on first offense for marijuana possession, there aren't too many jail sentences that are sought, but that's not because the law is not on the book. It's because of kind of a discretion and quite frankly, a reluctance to burden the county taxpayers with, uh, you know, housing someone for what is essentially a, a victimless crime. And the idea of having laws that first off, don't make any sense, and second, cost a lot of money, and that are not enforced, you know, it, it just defies logic. But there is this conflict, and that's what we're talking about basically today between the state and the federal government. And, and Rennie Cushing, you used an interesting term, commandeering, and your resolution says, quote, the federal government cannot force a state this is the resolution passed by the National right. Conference of State Legislators. Cannot force a state to criminalize cultivating, possessing, or distributing marijuana or hemp, whether for medical, recreational, industrial, or other uses, because doing so would constitute unconstitutional commandeering. Right. Could you explain what this means? In, in what ways does it constitute unconstitutional commandeering? It would be, you know, it's it's contrary to the whole notion of federalism. It's, it, the, the commandeering would be that the states are going to command, I mean, the federal government commanding the states to make something a crime. Oh. Um, and traditionally, for instance, on, on matters of, uh, you know, the exercise of police powers, uh-huh. uh, it's always been, for the most part, historically, a local, a local matter. Um, and absent a compelling federal need, that's the way it remains. But you just cannot... You, you just cannot order a state to do something that it doesn't want to do. The federal government can pass its own laws, but it, its laws can't include telling the state that you have to pass a law. You, you know, you have to pass a law to make riding the bicycle uh, at night. You're going to have to have headlights on, or you, you know, you have to pass a state law to incarcerate people who are littering, or you'll have to pass a state law to um, you know, to to ban alcohol. There's just a whole lot of different, it's just a notion of, of respect of our federal system. Interesting. I wonder how much of a tradition that is. I hadn't really thought about that. I imagine not a lot of people thought about the federal government telling states what they can and cannot do. The how states how we rare can, is it? Well, we don't have a helmet law in the state of New Hampshire, notwithstanding the fact that the federal government would like to have everybody wear a helmet. Yeah. What ends up happening oftentimes when the, when the, gov- when the federal government wants to have a, a, policy, a state adopt a policy, it, it creates an incentive. In the instance of motorcycle helmets, the, 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 there is an, an incentive in the terms of, of, of highway funds that right. if a state takes that, then the, the federal government will give it money. Um, 
But the feds just cannot say, the, the federal government just can't step in. The United States Congress can't step in and say under New Hampshire state law, it'll be illegal to drive a motorcycle without a helmet. That's the responsibility of the New Hampshire legislature, not the Congress. And we kind of like it that way. And I think what we're talking about here is you know, a, a question that's gone on for quite some time since uh, before the uh, so-called Civil War, the war against the South, whatever, war against secession, states' rights versus federal government. How, in the NCSL, it's not all, you know, good liberals like you and me, Rennie. Oh, there's, no, it's there's not. A lot, what, did, you have, did you have a lot of support from Republicans on this that are concerned about federal overreach? Oh, it's a classic. It's, it's a classic uh, situation of the federal government, you know, being wary of all states, all rights not specifically granted to the federal government remain with the states. It's the, the 10th Amendment argument. Yeah, uh, I, I find that in... In, in that there's why there's support for both sides of the aisle for across the political spectrum for the states no longer being complicit in the federal government's war on marijuana. Um, you know they're just not going to be conscripted anymore because who's bearing the burden? Um, you know the states are bearing the burden of yeah. the failure, and it's just it, you know it fails on so many levels. Um, you know, and, and what on the flip side is to see what's happened in in those states now, right. where marijuana has been legal for rec- legalized for recreational use for adults. Um, you know, when in and that, the, I must say, sorry to interrupt, but that was a bit brave of these states to do that when it's still illegal under federal law. They did it anyway, and how well, is it working out? Well, actually, that you know, it's really interesting. First of all, how it happened, um, because those are states where all the states where marijuana has become legal for adult recreational use have done so because of uh, referendum, because of an initiative uh, process that's taken by the le- by the voters themselves. This what, is a democracy? case. Oh my goodness! This is a case <laughs> where the people are are really far ahead right. of the government. Um, and I had conversations with people, um, you know, legislators from both Colorado and Washington, who, subsequent to the enactment or the passage of referendum directing that, you know, saying that the use of marijuana for recreational purposes uh, is legal, were candidly admitted that there was not much conversation that was going on in the legislatures. There was a, a you know a great deal of reluctance to take on the issue, but when you know fifty eight percent of the people of, of Colorado, for instance, voted to put to amend the state constitution to allow for oh. uh, the recreational use of marijuana, it then became incumbent upon the legislature to carry out the the will of the people. I mean, there you. You know, as someone said, there are three, you know, you can have three responses. You can either work with it to help make it, you know, to, to help make it, um, you know, a system that benefits everybody, or you can fight it uh, and try to undermine it and try to repeal it, um, or you can just, you know, do nothing and, and see how it un- it unfolds. Um, what's, be- what's been interesting in talking to the people from, Colorado is the, and, and Washington is that you know there's a learning curve. Sure, there are some you know things that that we haven't that haven't been done before. Um, oh, right. And so, and for instance, like I, I had the uh, you know 
it's it's about whether you there's a difference between just strict decriminalization of it right. or legalization um, and regulating. And what everyone is uh, agreed agrees upon is for the need to regulate. Uh, you know, marijuana, that it does have some social costs. But just as we treat alcohol as a substance that needs to be regulated, um, you know, we're, we're, they're doing so in other states. Uh, for instance, in the state of Washington, the, what was formerly known as the Alcohol Control Board is now known as the Alcohol and Cannabis Control Board. Yeah. Um, and while in, in Washington, I went to a, you know, an independent testing lab. There's a whole uh, you know, you, there's questions now about quality control, about, you know, how one, um, you know, how one, you know, packages, how one uh, distributes, how one sells um, marijuana and in, in what form and, and to whom and under right. uh, what conditions. And so there's been a, a pretty rapid development of a, of a regulatory scheme that is of great benefit to people. Um, a couple of problems when I went to... You met a group of legislators, met with the, the person who's in charge of regulating and overseeing uh, marijuana in the state of Washington and marijuana sales. And he was, he was a fascinating person. Just He had worked in the alcohol control mm. uh, business. He wasn't really, you know, he, he got drafted when, when, the, when the, the, uh, the voters passed the referendum a couple of years ago. He was just drafted and, and given the assignment to oversee uh, the regulation of, of marijuana sales. Um, I went to an independent testing lab. Uh-huh. One of the things that, you, that it's incredibly strict control that people have, um, you know, so the product when it's cultivated is a batch is shipped off it's tested most of the, most of the producers test their own but it's also shipped out and tested by an independent laboratory and back and and one of the things that has taken place is this really strict uh control over the origin and and, and the travel chain of of marijuana in part because no one wants to people do not want to be in a position where it ends up in states where it's not legal yeah, for sure. And if you just tuned in to Keeping Democracy Alive, Bert Cohen here and Rennie Cushing, state rep from New Hampshire, a longtime activist with a whole bunch of good causes, uh, talking about uh, federal overreach when it comes to uh, state laws. And you know, what you were talking about is it sounds like, you know, here in New Hampshire, many states, the bureaucracy is already there. They're doing it for alcohol sales. It is regulated. And we all know alcohol can be a very dangerous drug. There's always been legitimate concern about alcohol. We tried prohibition uh, against alcohol. What did that last, 12 years or something like that? I don't remember. Well, it still continues in some some towns in the state of New Hampshire. Well, that's true, and that's an interesting point, I think, is that it's not forced on any community. There are communities all across the country that don't permit sales of alcohol, Mm -hmm. and that's their right. You don't have the federal government saying, Hey, you have to sell alcohol here. Yeah, it just seems kind of nuts. And I, I well, I always tell people, um, you know, I grew up in Hampton, and I grew up in a dry town uh-huh. because when I was a when I was a child, Hampton was dry. You could not buy a drink at Hampton Beach. You could not do that. Um, you could do it in other towns, but sure. it was because when New Hampshire opted choice. to legalize uh, alcohol and regulate alcohol, it provide for a local option and. Uh, I would tell you, for years, the 
Hampton Town Meeting rejected uh, the sale of alcohol within the community. I mean, that changed, and I, yeah. I think, quite frankly, now it would be difficult for anyone to contemplate or imagine, um, you know, Hampton Beach, our top tourist destination, as a, a, a dry town. Yeah, it's, it's things, you know, but there's local democracy. People get it, get to have a say. One of the things um, that was interesting in talking to legislators from uh, Washington and Oregon is to learn about the tourism bump that they've received oh, because of, of marijuana sales. Um, you know, I think, as they were pointing out, if you're if you're coming, if you want to go ski the Rockies back east and, and you're someone who thinks that perhaps, you know, Apre Ski might want to include, uh, you know, an edible or something, you would go to Colorado as opposed to Idaho or, as a, or to, you know, Utah. Um, and a real interesting conversation I had with the legislator from Colorado who was the person that led um, the crafting of the the laws that allowed for the the provided for the you know for the regulation and taxation um was about uh how they're actually not in any hurry to have other states do it because as (laughs) long as as long as they have legal (laughs) marijuana um you know they got the market corner it's a it's a tour you know it's a oh my goodness it's an attraction so it's really funny that you know you know packaging for ski ski destinations and you know, Rocky Mountain High, as they say. As they say. I have certainly heard that. And, uh, you know, I, people are concerned about uh, kids. Right. You know, and I have two teenage daughters. Mm-hmm. And what I see now, kids can get marijuana anytime, no restrictions, no regulations, no control, no idea what the heck they're getting. I don't like that. Right. And it mm-hmm. seems to me, you, is it true that you can't really educate if it's illegal, but you can educate if something is a legal substance, like we educate about alcohol, we educate about cigarettes, and the reason people don't smoke cigarettes so much anymore is because of education. We didn't prohibit tobacco cigarettes. Well, education, and also another thing is price, uh, which is I found part uh-huh. of an interesting conversation. Yeah, do tell. The um, the what what I, one thing that I found surprising uh, but encouraging is that it, it's been the experience in in Washington and Colorado that actually teenage marijuana use has gone down since really? it, since it oh, was legalized. Um, and you know, the, and also, you know, we had a conversation. One of the one of the things that that some of us lawmakers were talking about was the whole issue of you know mi- minors. Uh, one of the things that we do know is that. You know the the use of marijuana pro- has a negative impact Absolutely. on the, on the adolescent brain, yes. and that's just that's just a fact. Yeah. Um, and when it is a legal substance, if that is part of the conversation you can have with people. That's part of the conversation. I was struck by the, the conversation that is going on in Washington, in in Colorado, about the issues. One of the again, one of the unfortunate things about the prohibition of marijuana is that it has been impossible to do, or virtually impossible to do any studies, any health studies oh, of either the benefits right. or the detriments because it's, a, it's considered a class one uh, you know, drug that uh, no research institutions are able to utilize. And so one of the things that people are really hopeful is that the controls that 
the federal government will, con- will revise the Controlled Substance Act and allow f- the uh, you know the, the, the National Institute of Health to do some studies both on the you know the, the benefits of cannabinoids and also any of the other problems so that we can make those informed decisions. The matter of pricing, though, uh, one of the things that people talked about when when marijuana became, I mean, when, when tobacco, the dangers of tobacco became known and widespread uh, and the price increased, that actually had an impact on the people's use. They make decisions about where to spend their, their money, and when tobacco becomes too mm. expensive, people... That, that's one, one thing that's cited for a decline in teenage uh, use. Yeah. And so figuring out the, the price for uh, what, you know, the, the, the sale of this, uh, you know, marijuana or cannabis product should be is an interesting public policy exercise because you, on the one hand, you want to create it, make it as inexpensive enough to, to kind of discourage adolescent use. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but at the same time, you you. The other thing you really want to do is so to is to drive is to put an end to the black market, right? And that 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 in and of itself is a something that would be important to talk about, an important consideration sure. because there's marijuana every place in this country. That's just you know that's just that's an accepted fact. And one of the things that you that that a real goal of a system of legalization and regulation. Uh, should be is to end the black market um, and to create actually to bring this this uh, you know this enterprise that's now operating out of the shadows yes. and you know and, and and make taxpayers out of outlaws yeah. um, so which is what you know taxpayers and and that's another thing that quite frankly has been uh, a great part of the conversation. Sure. Um, in Colorado, the the Constitution provided the first forty million dollars of uh, revenue from the sale of r- recreational sale of cannabis uh, went to school building aid. So now they are building schools in Colorado um, because the there was a, an initiative taken place by people to legalize an illegal product, uh, to tax it, and to use the proceeds for furthering public education. So it seems interesting. And at a time when states are having very tough times having enough revenue to do what the people of that state want them to do, here's the source of revenue. And the federal government is saying, no, you can't use it. And the Mm -hmm. people in the state would like to have that as a source of revenue, as a different option from what they have already. It's a good option. And here's the federal government saying, no, you can't have that money from your own people. You, you know, that's true. But it, there's also kind of an interesting inconsistency in that. Because what's taking place with the, the, many, for the medical marijuana operations that are in place in 25 states, and also now with the recreational marijuana use, is that that there there is um, in those business activities there is income generated and people are paying taxes to the federal government on the um, you know because of marijuana because of the marijuana industry so uh, and there's a, there's been a you know a tax system in place in that so the on the, the the federal government while it bans the use of of marijuana it laws that it also taxes it and it also you know create it also collects taxes on business operations involving marijuana 
Well, your resolution, again, uh, Bert Cohen here, keeping democracy live, Randy Cushing, New Hampshire state representative and lead sponsor of a resolution passed by the National Council Conference of State Legislatures. Conference of State Legislatures, NCSL, a great organization. Um, and the resol- one of the things in the resolution, it argues that passage may improve public safety, health, and economic development. Talk about that a little bit more. Public safety, health, and obvi- we talked a little bit about economic development. Well, you know, public safety because you, you, you get to regulate um, uh, what is now an, an underground activity. Um, you know, there are enforceable laws that are put in place that, you know, again, restrict the age by which someone is, you know, is allowed to consume cannabis products. Sure. Uh, it restricts where those products can be consumed, um, uh-huh. you know, there. And um, it's just, it, it takes something that is right now Ill- illegal uh, that has its own negative consequences. Uh, it is fueling in some places, it's fueling a, you know, a carnage associated. Yes. There is the, let's we can't ignore the fact that um, a lot of the a lot is you know much of the drugs that uh, is coming that's used in some in our in our states comes is not produced in this in the states because it's illegal, but it comes to our it comes to our citizens through an organized crime cartel, right. um, and that's. You know, again, that that is one of the, as quite frankly, someone point has said to me that is as compelling a reason as any to tax and regulate it, just to take it out of the hands of being a criminal enterprise, and to make it a, a legal, uh, you know, tax abiding, tax paying uh, concern. Um, and one of and, the things in history, looking back at alcohol prohibition, was the incredible violence. I mean, right. when you think about alcohol prohibition, huge violence. There was, you know, various different massacres and things, and. Mm-hmm. It stopped right. when it was made legal, just getting it under control. What what has the federal government done so far? Have there been, I mean, these businesses are operating with right. a lot of constraints, but have has there is that federal law on the books, the, uh, what is it, the, the control, I forget what it's called. It's the Controlled Substance Act. It's one of the. It's one of the many laws. Um, what What has taken place is like. In, has, sorry for interrupting. Has the federal government raided any of these places? Have uh, they taken action? They have. What What took place is after Colorado and Washington uh, voted to allow the use of the the sale of recreational marijuana, the Attorney General's office issued a set of guidelines. Um, the federal attorney general's office? The U.S., okay. yeah, as to, you know, it was not legalized, but within the, judis- the discretion of, of where to allocate resources to prosecute cases, uh, they came up with some strict guidelines which uh, would, which if followed, would make it less likely that the federal government would or federal law enforcement agencies would interfere and crack down on the states, and that actually has, I think, those guidelines have shaped a lot of the, you know, how how the uh, cannabis and marijuana sales go in Colorado and Washington. Um, you know, part of it is like the tracking system. There is uh, a whole system. Every 
every all marijuana products they have a, a you know they they are traced from origin from plant to final consumer there's they're tracked with there's barcodes on every mm-hmm. pl- uh, plant uh, when the when it's harvested and it's processed it's tracked all along the way there's a mechanism for distribution and shipping where there you know a load has to be assembled and 24 hours a waiting period before it can be shipped. Some of it, quite frankly, there's a complaint that it's economically inefficient, mm-hmm. um, but it's what they're following because the concern is so that their product does not fall into the hands of people that that, that have been restricted from using it. There's a real, very strong um, focus on preventing under eight people under sure. 21 yeah, yeah. from using it uh they are you know the, the federal government does not has said that it will uh, crack down if it turns out that some states are are tracking trafficking in it um and it gets to the point where for instance for some people uh what's a challenge is that they could it would make economic sense if they could have an operation that worked in Colorado as well as Washington but they have to be they have to be separate uh, entities uh, they can't sh- make they can't manufacture a product though it would be legal in 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 Washington and legal in Colorado you can't harvest a a, a particular crop and and ship it because you can't cross those state lines oh, so right. it, it's, c- it's completely contained within the borders um, there's another whole concern about money right that was my next question you know the the a big problem for these legitimate businesses is the ability that we as customers just take for granted that we, we want to buy something, we use a credit card. The Federal Reserve, I understand, recently denied a master account to a credit union in Colorado which sought to provide financial services to the marijuana businesses. Right. Talk about this. Well, that's a bit, you know, that that's, that's part of the, cra- the crazy. And again, the the origins of this go back to you know wanting to make sure that to you know tackle take on the drug cartels which had you know dealt in it's a, it historically has been a cash absolutely a cash product um yeah the black market and, doesn't like credit cards <laughs> right and so you know because banks were under an obligation to report to the federal government um any transactions that uh that the bank believed were uh, it was a result of drug you know laundering drug money. They, they the banks were not allowed to launder drug money. It's against the law. It made it a crime. Yeah. And the position now is notwithstanding the fact that it's been legalized, it's a legal activity in the state and it's taxed. Banks don't banks don't want to um, you know t- to risk their own standing uh, and be charged with laundering drug money. Uh, so. As a result, there's been a lot of cash activity that goes on. It's a ca- and again, th- within there are some state credit unions now in Washington and, and Colorado, state credit unions, right. or th- that are utilizing, uh, you know, non where where non cash. Um, and it gets a challenge. Someone was saying like you know, uh, the one facility that does uh, you know production and, and, and distribution for their customers. 
they all pay cash because they, you know, mm. one of the, one of the things that, that has been interesting is to see the model that you use, that you use, what kind of business model. Um, and one of the things that people want to make sure does not happen, or they're conscious of, is they don't want to see big, big marijuana emerge, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just like yeah. uh, you know, any more than than what took place in some places after the end of uh, prohibition. It was a few. You know, a few large companies that ended up co- kind of cornering the market, and, yeah. and, and that has a that, that has a, a detrimental impact. Yeah. But they, the idea is they want to, you know, encourage kind of a a, a small, you know, locally based yeah. uh, economy. Um, and you know, in order to, and, and so that's what's taking place. It's not an you can no longer have a vertically. It's not vertically integrated uh-huh. in Washington. There's oh. you cannot own the cultivation. The production and the distribution and the retail sales. Nice. Um, so that's that is a that that has a, that that has its uh, a benefit, um, but in in the supply chain, for instance, the retail the, the the people who sell retail, right? They just they deal with cash. Cash only. Cash and only. That make them and they kind and so target? they pay. The, the cash comes and they they will pay the producer in cash. Now the producer does. Ugh. They do banking. As they say, but you know they find a way. To, but and they pay their customers like regular paychecks. I mean, it's a very interesting situation where you have a, you know, you you have a business that wants to be regularized, that wants to be normalized, and there's big impediment is mm-hmm. inability to have access, easy access to the banking system. That's one of the major uh, what we hope will come from the federal government is a, you know, a realization of the need to have uh, a banking system because quite frankly it's a lot of people are concerned because it's a lot of cash and they're concerned about being robbed Uh, yeah if you know there's going to be a lot of cash in this place you know and um, (laughs) you know you're dropping off the ten thousand dollars worth of products that to the store that's going to be their inventory for the month and you're going to get ten thousand dollars cash for it uh it's you know that makes it makes a little interesting and the other things that of course are coming up is how Things are treated for tax purposes on your as a business. Uh, you know what can you expense out? Uh, oh, wow. You know what is liable to be expensed out? When, for instance, on the collection of taxes. So where do you collect taxes? And oh, as someone, you know, if when someone is collecting taxes, do the, is that you know do you get to deduct the taxes that you pay that you have to pay out from your federal from your business taxes and <laughs> so it, the way it was initially was structured is that the companies were not able to pay um, they were not able to deduct from their taxes the taxes that they paid out which you can uh, do in every an other excess. business yes so it, you know it's, oh it's, it's something that the accountants are are you know are paying attention to or are trying <laughs> to sort out fascinating issue Bert Cohen here. We're doing Keeping Democracy Alive, which, of course, is a group effort, folks. Uh, Our guest today is uh, Rennie Cushing, talking about a resolution passed at the uh, National Conference of State Legislatures to uh, push the federal government to to let states uh, do this and to not get in the way. Congress has not done nothing on this. In 2015, they passed the Consolidated and Continuing Appropriations Act, of 2015, mm-hmm. what is in that law, and does that help solve the problem, or how how far does it go? 
Well, it just, you know, again, it's it, the laws are on the books, but it's it uh, restricts the enforcement of the law. It, it restrict, restricts the, um, I think, the Department of Justice from using any money uh, to prevent states from implementing the laws that authorize the use and distribution and cultivation of marijuana for medicinal purposes. And the idea is that we, you know, it, it would be, you, you should get your priorities straight if you think you want to be uh, assigning drug enforcement agents from the Department of Justice to go to the state of Maine or New Hampshire to shut down clinics that uh, allow for the distribution of medical marijuana. That uh, you can't, you, you have, you know, if you have, if you have so much money that you can do that, well, Congress is saying maybe we'll take that money away from you, or we're just not going to allow you to to spend so that's- that. A step forward. That's a step forward, and that again, that was an interesting little, um, you know, if you that that's an instance for, uh, where I guess it's easy, or where the appeal was made to just let's leave the states alone. Let's not. We don't. We can't get too heavy handed. Um, and you know, I think I've, that that resonates with people. See, I think there's there's a lot of that going around that that the, f- the people. Really don't want the federal government to be too heavy-handed. You have people on the left and right talking about, you know, government spying, you know, the militarization of police. There's a lot of concern about that. Have, you know, on the libertarian right, I, I would assume, I would hope that they have weighed in in support on this. I mean, I a libertarian, I, yeah, I think it, it's it's a it's a pretty basic, uh, you know plank in a, in a libertarian platform that the federal government should not be uh, engaging in a war on drugs on the turf of the states. Uh, I, yeah, I think, and it, it is, of course, uh, FDR famously told uh, uh, A. Philip Randolph about ending legal segregation. You know, I want, I'm with you. I want to do it. Now go out there and make me do it. Congress has to know that they have support from the public. What what do you hear from members of Congress? Has the public made it safe enough for you know nervous members of Congress to call for federal non-interference? Um, I don't know if it's quite safe because it's people uh, are hesitant to be perceived as being soft, soft on, on drugs, drugs and soft on crimes. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, and at the same time. By any objective standards, we might have an over-incarceration problem in this country. Yeah, we, we have, might. <laughs> you know, we, we have, a, you know, a quarter of the world's population or the prison population is here in the United States. And much of that, quite frankly, is attributable to drugs. And um, as part of, you know, part of that is just taking a look at the, you know, at the, at the failure of prohibition and our need to, to adopt a different policy. But again, I think people are really wary. Um, people are wary. I imagine state, especially members of Congress. Members of Congress, state legislators are uh, somewhat true. I yeah. mean, it is not, again, I, I go back, it is not... Uh, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. I mean, we have not, there's not been a state legislature that has passed a legalization of marijuana. Oh, interesting. A legalization. It has all been by referendum. Um and I think that's that we're going to see that pattern probably continue. Uh, I, you know, both in Maine and in Massachusetts right. in November of 2016, there will be a referendum on the ballots in those two states that will call for the legalization and, and regulation and taxation of marijuana. 
I I suspect I you know I I, I, I believe they'll probably pass yeah. because That's the, the polling numbers are such. Oh, yeah. The most recent poll I saw in New Hampshire said that sixty percent of the adults favor the legalization and taxation of marijuana. And you know, last year our state legislature, the House, at least at one time, by a you know one or two Huge votes margin. What no, but it? just on legalization. Oh, oh. I mean, in, in we've passed we passed uh, every year the House at least for seven or eight years now has passed a, a decriminalization bill. That oh, does. that's what I meant. Yeah, but, big uh, but for the first time last year, the, the, uh, the House of Representatives passed a legislation to allow for the legalization, regulation, and taxation of, this, of recreational marijuana. That you know, ultimately didn't become right. the law, because it, but that was the first chamber uh, in the country, oh, the House right. Chamber, right. to pass a, a, a legalization bill. Well, all right, for New Hampshire again, and we're you know this is all these states. It's it's such an interesting situation where the states are moving. The pressure from the public is is starting to be there. Obviously, not this is not the biggest issue. Of course, we're now in the thick of the 2016 presidential race. Chris Christie <clears throat> has made his position clear. He wants right. to just put anybody who's ever used marijuana in jail basically for life. I mean, it's ridiculous. Can you tell us about Chris Christie and any other candidates? Are they talking about this at all? I, You know, I believe Chris Christie is the only one that has said, watch out Colorado and watch out Washington. When I'm president, I'm going to, you know, crack down on you. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, I think Rand Paul has been pretty much a libertarian, taking, no, has historically taken a libertarian position on it. I think most people that take a look at it, uh, you know, realize that it's it shouldn't be much of a priority. Yeah, really. And but they don't, again, no one wants to get out on it. I will say what's what has been interesting, um, some, an interesting dynamic since there was the legalization in Colorado, at least, is the reaction that what some border states what's taking place on border states. Oh, yeah, do tell. Well, and there has been a lawsuit that was filed against the state of Colorado in federal court uh, by the states of Oklahoma and Nebraska. Um, and We're having construction here, folks. Right. And, um, you know, the basis of that lawsuit, it's it's asking, the, it's those states are asking the federal government to come and enforce the marijuana laws in their neighboring Whoa. states so that they can be protected from the sale of states on, uh, of uh, Ooh, marijuana on their borders. Situation. Yes, and what also takes place of, interestingly enough, is that there are a spike in sales in border communities in those states. <laughs> and quite frankly, I mean, let, you know, to be acknowledged, people are going into Colorado and purchasing legal marijuana and going into another state and, 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 and either consuming it or, you or, know, perhaps, uh, but what they're trying to do is make sure it doesn't become part of the underground market. That's what they're, yeah. they're hoping to do. Um, can that but, situation be resolved amongst the states, or does what does the federal government? They must be in a difficult position. What do they have to do on this? Well, it's what you do with you know. What do we do with dry counties? What do we do with dry towns and wet towns? I mean, I will tell you. I grew up in Hampton Beach. Right. It was a, a dry Hampton was a dry town. Right. There was alcohol though when I was growing up. It I'm was shocked. it was brought it was brought you. In, you know the, and and I can remember on on Route One. 
you know, right over the Hampton line in Northampton, there'd be what everyone called the beer store. It was the country store. And, and right over the line in Seabrook at the beach, there was the beer store right. because people would go purchase their alcohol, bring it back into the, into the, across the border, if you will. And a similar thing, I think, is taking place with marijuana now in those where it is a legal recreational product, uh, that, you know, in other places. I don't think that the lawsuit ultimately will prevail, but it is there, and, and that's, a, that's a consideration. Where, where, where's the resistance to this coming from? And there's been some interesting support on this. And I remember here in New Hampshire years ago, in terms of just medical marijuana, the Chiefs of Police Association right. was very much against it. Yeah. But I actually spoke with a chief of police from a small town in New Hampshire, which I could name, but I won't, who said, I don't care. Just just get it under control. Legalize it. You, there's something called the LEAP, Law Enforcement, what is it, L-E-A-P? Uh, LEAP, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. And they were one of the organizations that was very helpful in, in support of, of the passage of the resolution. Um, there are a number of groups. There was the Marijuana Policy Project, which really takes the lead in yeah, this country. I mean, they, they changed laws, and they are a great resource um, you know, they're very good here in New Hampshire and throughout very New effective. across the country. Very effective. And coupling with law enforcement against prohibition is really good because I think, quite frankly, a lot of the resistance to uh, changing the marijuana laws has come from the law enforcement community. Um, and there's also resistance to it from people who are have legitimate concerns about, you know, negative health consequences and about addiction. Um, uh, you know, and I would say the same thing for alcohol. I think most professionals recognize that alcohol is a much more dangerous drug than marijuana is. Yes, I mean, and anything else. No one has, you know, uh, one, of the, one of the proponents of the resolution was a delegate man from, from Maryland who happens to be the only member of the Mar- Maryland legislature who is a, a physician, and he is an emergency room physician at uh, Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, and knows everything and understands quite a lot. And, and, and as he pointed out, the fact pointed out that no one has ever OD'd from marijuana. No, it's not like you don't have to have Narcan. You know, you know, there's that you cannot. It, it, one one is it's not, not able to do that. It's just not possible. Um, and so the, the the argument that you know, there's almost like a, a an argument that's made that it's the slippery slope. That, you know, it's the marijuana is a gateway drug to alcohol, which is a gateway drug to, you know, methamphetamine or heroin. I mean, that that to a certain extent. And let's let's acknowledge let's acknowledge that addiction is concern. Yeah, addiction to any you know substance substance abuse and addiction is a really concern. Absolutely. But what we found out is that you know prohibition is not the answer and i find i do appreciate those who have the intellectual consistency uh, to say that they believe that we we should ban marijuana and we should ban alcohol um you know there's something to be said for that but to somehow you know take the position that we should continue to have the system of regulation of alcohol that we do with all its you know attendant concerns um but not have marijuana because that would just make things worse that's that doesn't that's not borne out by the data and the problem really is addiction people can become addicted to all kinds of different things right you know and and it's the you know the addictive personality as they say people can abuse anything it's part of the brain brain chemistry too it's not just i mean i'm not your personality i mean i think there is i think we need to learn more about 
about addiction. Um, and I also think, just as I think we need to know more about, you know, the impact of drugs that has upon, you know, has upon people, both short-term and long-term. That is not, you know, wanting that is not inconsistent with having a system of taxation or regulation Control. that in, that incorporates Absolutely. education because it's the education about the facts. People make the decision that's really important. What can people do? You know, this goes out to New Hampshire, but it goes out podcast across the country. What what can people do to help change the federal laws and, and, and just enable states to keep on with, with this uh, progress that's being made? You know, I think this is something, this discussion needs to take place at the local, state, and, 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 and federal levels. I mean, obviously people can talk, to, should have engaged with their members of Congress to point out that it's time for the, to the federal government to get out of the way of reforming uh, in our, our our marijuana and hemp laws, that we at the at the minimum we need to, you know, to uh, amend the the Controlled Substance Act to stop making, uh, you know, marijuana the equivalent, you know, a, a worse drug than than than, than cocaine or, or or you know, it's the it's the it's in the worst category to to take it off the list of, of controlled substances. Um, and also to loosen up to allow for uh, you know banking to take place. Oh, right. It's the banking. Those are two similar things. And on a state level, I think people should contact their legislators and tell them that it's time to end the failure that that the war on marijuana has been. Get the federal government out and let the states do what they want. Thank you so much for being with us, Randy. Thanks, Bert. It's great. Now-